This is the fallen angel Christopher Daniels, former TNA X Division champion and former TNA World Tag Team champion, and you are listening to the TNA Cross the Line podcast. Enjoy. TNA Wrestling Cross the Line. We're back with episode 162 of the TNA Crossline Podcast. I am Bob Gunning Jr. With me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. Dallas, we are coming off of Destination X. The pay-per-view. A yes, we are. Of, a whole bunch of shit happened. I'm exhausted. How are, are, you, are you falling asleep during my, the intro here? I mean, yeah, I think so. Wow. Guys, it's going to be a long post-Destination X show. Bob is sleepy. But don't you worry. No, I think I have a concussion. I have whiplash from all the stuff that was happening. Oh, my God. I was about to say, what would you do at work? Holy no, crap. At, at Destination X. There was just so much stuff. There was so much blood. There was so much flying around. There was so much smoke. There was so much disappearance. There was darkness. There were not title changes. And then there were title changes. And then there was blood and then maybe fake blood and i don't so much destination x i just i don't know so much and we're gonna break all of it down uh i mean some highlights um you know jeff jarrett's still our nwa champion which is pretty just exciting news as we are going i think we're heading toward what 10 months of him being champion i thought it was like 10 years well it's starting to feel like it uh, we're definitely in the in the midst of the reign of terror, as many people, um, I believe, has called this. So uh, we're in the middle of it. There's no end in sight. No. He just keeps beating everyone. Uh, but we do have a new X Division champion, which is pretty sweet. Uh, Daniels, Christopher Daniels, kind of stole it. Uh, Styles was the one who took it down uh, at the end of the Ultimate X Challenge. And then the ref was down, so Christopher Daniels, he just down took it from him. Yeah, see um, that, I didn't that that bugged me, didn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think it did. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I get a heel doing that, but he should just just win the title. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think so too. I, you never start off on the right foot if you have to, like, trick. Yeah, the heel has to trick the referee. And the, I won the title. Like, there's right. no credibility there. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks. But that's okay. We got a new champion. Pretty that's exciting. Yeah, I mean I'm looking forward to Daniels being champion. It's somebody new. He's never been champion before. Except oh, he's champion before. I don't know if I realize that. Yeah. This is his first time winning it. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well that's crazy. I did I did not put that together. Yeah. Because I mean um, he was always with Triple X, so it was right. I mean he he had a couple of title matches, but Yeah, I guess it, he he's just won. such a mainstay in the X Division. I just Totally did not even realize this was his first time winning. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Um, the other like biggest thing that happened, um, and we'll, we're going to break down all the matches and all that stuff too, is uh, Monty Brown turned heel. And that was it. That, yeah, <laughs> I that was. I forgot about Why did you tell me that? I forgot about that. I should have just not said nothing and we just watched the uh, show. And he's like, with Jarrett. Um, yeah, so that happened. Oh, man. I tried to get that out of my head. 
Yeah. I guess I would have been reminded probably today during a 15-minute promo. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to happen. Yeah, so that's kind of a bummer. Um, I don't really understand it. Um, I guess I believe it's like that if you can't beat him, join him kind of thing. But I think, Bob, you mentioned during the show, it's like, a, well, now you're going to give me a title shot. He told me he's going to give me a title shot. So that's, I think that's probably going to happen. But Yeah, that I could see that being um, like Mountie's like guaranteed to get eventually a title shot. But I think from a booking standpoint, they're, I mean, they have to be aware that fans really wanted him to be the champion. So the only way to di- you know, divert that is to turn him heel. Yeah. And keep him away from that. But Which kind of sucks, but I guess as for a booking standpoint, it makes sense. So you can like, get the crowd away from the idea of we, he's yeah. our champion. Because now it's like, well, wait, now we don't like him as much because what he did. So, yeah, but then now we're in a pretty bad predicament because um, our baby faces, our top baby faces are uh, Nash and Paige. So Insiders 2001 baby. Let's go. Oh, not Um, that I think he's our top face, but Sean Waltman also came back again. Okay, so, yeah, Sean Waltman. But he's he crowd loves him. So you never know. Right. So now. as we're heading into the April pay-per-view, he Jared's Jared's beaten two of the three guys that could potentially challenge for the title. Now, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of war games or something because of you know lockdown in the cage and everything. Right. But outside, you know, after that, you know, what could we expect for the May pay-per-view? Could we? I know, you know, Waltman wanted to wrestle Jared all the way back in like 2002. Right before he left, so could that potentially be a match that we get? And then Jared beats him again. He beats him there, and then and then who do we have? Exactly. So as in terms of top baby faces, I feel like we're pretty low. And now on the heel side, maybe not necessarily strong in terms of name power or whatever, but there's a lot of heels mm-hmm. that can be incorporated. In there. I mean, you have like Team Canada and all these other guys. Here's here's an outside shot. Could a guy like Chris Harris get elevated again? I I don't see why not. I don't know. Who know? I don't know. I, I they don't did. Know what, I don't know what we could do there. I mean, I I really hope there's not a AJ Styles isn't the exhibition champion anymore. Do we fucking go down that road again? I was actually just thinking that when we were discussing the 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 winner there for Daniels, because it's like. I like that it's someone new because I'm afraid that Styles is going to be he's going to be the X Division Jarrett, and I feel like he's just going to like always have the title. Yeah, but I kind of feel like right now at this stage for TNA, the upper card is really stale. No, it definitely is, and we've talked about it before. People are coming to watch these shows because of what happens before the main event, not necessarily the main event. Now they're taking that as well, the names are drawing. We want to, They want to see the main event. That's not the case. Like, I'm at the point right now where I kind of wish that DDP had won at uh, Destination X. And then, because there's like fresher matches. And like, it's going to sound ludicrous maybe initially, but like, you could have had DDP and then a fresh match like against Nin. Yeah. Also known as the Outlaw. Yeah, the Outlaw. Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn. 
sure that's like a that's like an NWA cyberspace meme. It's something different, right? You know. Uh, well, we can't. We also can't forget that there is someone else who has a title matchup coming. Uh, we don't know when. Ah, oh, fuck abyss. And that's abyss. And we have no idea when that's happening. But yes, he's a heel. Yeah, so it still doesn't. I didn't work. even include Jeff Hardy. If you know, I just I even forgot about Jeff Hardy. He's. Oh, so, I thought you did that on purpose. He's so far gone to me, is the main eventer, that I didn't even include him as a as a baby. I don't even think he's at that level. Sorry, Lance. It's it's a tough it's a tough time for him. Yeah, I mean if if they were to announce today, oh hey tonight on Impact it's Jeff Jarrett against Jeff Hardy for the title. I'd be like, okay, well we know how this is going. Like there's no there's no shot. Exactly. We got a lot going on here, and I think there's a lot of issues in the in the main event scene for sure. Um, and I don't know how it's going to get solved. Well, and I th- I think it's I think it's a Jeff Jarrett problem and it. And it really shows you how much his his reign of terror really um, really stagnated the uh, main event scene. Similarly, Triple again, you can compare Jarrett and Triple H around the same time about what what they did. And I think Triple H's reign of terror is almost over at this point. Next month, I think, is when he loses to Batista. But dude, as a like, kid, dude, I hated that so much. Like, like. The whole Triple H thing, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. It yeah. won't stop. And the thing, too, is, like, when he, you know, loses at WrestleMania 20 to Benoit about and Benoit's champion, Benoit is, like, still a second thought to Triple H. Because, right. like, the main feud on Raw at that time was Triple H and Eugene, I think. <laughs> and then, like, the the title feud was Benoit and Kane. Oh, I don't even remember that show. <laughs> yeah, so like, wow. and that's what's going on here is like Jeff Jarrett is like sacrificing the main event scene so that he can be the champion for the better part of three years. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see some kind of end in sight. Um, it's not looking like it right now, but maybe we'll get lucky and soon we will. You never know. I hope so. I, you know what? If, if Abyss turns face. To challenge Jarrett, that would be interesting. Give it to him. Jarrett could be just baiting all these guys with title shot opportunities just to protect himself, and then it blows up in his face. Oh yeah, I think that's kind of what's happening though. Yeah, I mean that if that were to be the story, I could maybe deal with it, but I feel like that's not going to be the story. Yeah, I mean the fans have already been turning on him, so yeah, very clearly. Uh, well, continue on Destination X as we do on our post-pay-per-view shows. We're going to be breaking it down from uh, Dave Meltzer's standpoint with all the matches. But first, let's talk about the pay-per-view poll results that the readers voted on. So me and Bob, we gave it a thumbs up. I do believe we said it wasn't as good as previous, but it was still a good show overall. Yeah, it's, uh, the, weaker, it's the weakest of the year so far. But that's not, it wasn't bad. Right. So what do you think that the readers gave this? Did they give it a thumbs up like us or did they go down or in the middle for the majority? Um, I'm going to say they went in the middle. Well, this time is the first time we have broken the streak. They gave it majority thumbs down. Wow. 42.5 percent uh, in the middle, 37 percent and thumbs up was 20.5 percent. So we have broken the streak 
of our great thumbs up, majority thumbs up pay-per-views in a row. Wow. Why do you think that was? See, that's hard. I feel like it's hard to pinpoint it on one thing. But I also am having trouble being like, wow, why did they hate it like this badly? I do think some of it has to do, um, and we'll get into we'll get into some things. But you had matches like the uh, you know the Disciples of Destruction and uh, Five Delta Slam that was just like absolute garbage on pay per view. Like you didn't need that. Um, the Triton debut and then like bullshit finish. You, you know you had these kind of things. Um, there's some stuff that we'll break down more, but in the first blood match, Dave. Uh, completely rips it apart, and maybe we just weren't catching on to things as as easily. Um, maybe people just really didn't like that too. And then, of course, I think Jarrett winning in the turn with Monty Brown, people probably just were like, "Fuck that." I think almost the Monty Brown turn might be the biggest factor into why people were like, "No." That's what I think too. I think it's got to be right. Yeah, that's that's what I think it is. Is yeah, because. And I don't, I don't know if I necessarily did it. And it's not nearly the same level of comparison, so let's not go on up right here. But it's kind of like when Goldberg turned in WCW 2000. No, you're, you're right, just, though. And you're it's just, just doing like, it for the shock value. Exactly. No, that's... But, like, that, no that, one wants good. that. Exactly. No, I no think that wants, is a good comparison, though. No one wants Mario Brown to turn heel right now. Exactly. Nobody. No. And you do it just for what? Like, oh, look at I'm so smart. Uh, yeah, I got you. Like, n- no, I don't yeah. think that... That doesn't work for me. Yeah, I, uh, or you know I what? agree with that. It's like um, it's like five years from from now in, in TNA when Jeff when Jeff Hardy with Immortal. Okay, listen. Uh, so I sort I sort of like that. Yeah, but do people really want to boo Jeff Hardy? No, 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 they don't. Yeah, they don't. So like, you know what? Like, it doesn't work. You're just doing it for like, oh. No, they did. Stop. They did it. They're here, remember. Don't forget they're here. Wrong form of there, too, by the way. Yeah. The the sign that was probably a planted sign that they took out. Yeah, good shit. Um, <laughs> oh, something. I don't, and I don't know if I mentioned this on here, but if, Dallas, you need to listen to the lapsed fan. Uh, I don't know if you did on air, but you did tell me about it. Actually, okay. you know what? We might have actually talked about it during Destination X. I can't remember, though. Okay. So, lapsed fan, they're covering the 2010 Monday Night. Uh, fiasco and then back to Thursdays and it is absolutely hysterical but also informative and you need to listen to it. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. That's not good for me, brother. Brother. Brother, brother, brother. Brother. I've (laughs) I've really slowed down on my podcast listening. Um, I just haven't had I'm not. I've been transcribing uh, about five of them uh, a week. So that is... That's exciting. I did just see the newest A three weeks video that's made making its rounds, uh, where Bischoff continues to just talk shit about Bret Hart and says he wasn't needed. And then I also saw a clip last night from like this WWE documentary thing where he's he admits finally that Hogan um, used creative control for the Starcade match with Sting, and then he Hogan's like, listen, yeah, uh, if he wants to go over. You know, I want I want to be coming out stronger. So I just said, you know what? I'll put him over. So that it's Hogan's fault. It was a shitty thing. But anyway, yeah, no, I saw that clip and it's pretty good stuff. Bischoff is so weird because on on the podcast he says one thing, and then on TV he says another thing. Mm-hmm. 
there's zero consistency with him. And then no one, Conrad probably won't even mention it or no. ask him about it. And it's like, no, why aren't we like, why aren't we asking him these questions? Yeah, that I, I gave up on. I used to really like 83 weeks and I, I had to stop. I couldn't do it anymore. And well, once he got into the whole AEW Tony Khan bullshit. And it was an hour before they got into what they were supposed to yeah. talk about. I you couldn't look do at, it anymore. Yeah, you'd look at the episode time, like 2.30, and be like, oh, cool, he's going to talk about this show, WCW show for this amount of time. And the first hour 15 is just, Tony Khan doesn't know what he's doing, no respect, Ted Turner. And, Dude, and, and, I just couldn't do it and then it's like, oh, we're finally going to talk about Bash at the Beach 98. Nope, couldn't do it. I had to stop. He, he talks I, too much modern stuff that I just don't care about. Well, modern stuff, and but like... In like a stupid way. It's not even like, yeah. It's the only one I do wish I was listening to still more is Tony Schiavone because I really like him. But I just slowed down and I haven't really done any. But anyway, that's my quick Bischoff rant. I had to mention that because it was pissing me off. Um, so, uh, what do you think the fans voted on for the best match that took place at Destination X? Uh, Ultimate X. Yeah, the Ultimate X Challenge. Uh, a um, straight 125 votes got that one. Uh, and what about the worst match? Monty Brown and Triton. That was second. The bull rope match. That was third. Look at the card again. Oh, wait, is it Phi Delta Slam? Phi Delta Slam yes. And Brothers of... Yes. Yeah. So that was first, uh, the Harris Brothers and uh, Phi Delta Slam. Then it was Monty Brown and Triton. Then it was Raven and Dustin Rhodes. Uh, I should give you these numbers, uh, too, just to see how close they were. But, I don't even know if that tag match is really the worst match. I think Monty Brown Triton was the worst match. <sighs> that tag match was really bad, though. Uh, so yeah, the tag Monty match... Monty Brown Triton was wicked bad. The ending, especially. So the, the tag match got 46 votes. Monty Brown Triton got 38. So it was pretty close. Uh, Raven and Dustin got 22. Then Jarrett and DDP got 14. And Nash and the Outlaw got 11. I mean, Jerry and DDP was pretty disappointing, but no. But I think I like the end of it. I feel like it really wrapped itself up at the end. Because they were adding into other stuff. We're going to, we'll talk about it. Yeah, the B- yeah, there was the layers. James and the stuff. Yeah, there was stuff in that that I was like, you know what? I didn't hate this as much as I feel like I was starting to. Um, and just for the record, um, these are all based on stuff like emails, fax, apparently fax message. You could have faxed your answer, phone calls and stuff. Uh, as of Tuesday the 15th. So there may have been more that came in after that, but these are the current results. Um, okay, so, Bob, we are pretty much going to strictly <clears throat> talk Destination X, and then I don't know if I have any other pre-show notes, because then we're just going to kind of get into the show, and I got some stuff we're going to talk about during the show. So we're gonna, we'll do our normal thing here, and then uh, we'll kind of get to it. Well, it's noted here that TNA's streak of first-rate pay-per-views came to an abrupt halt. With Destination X on March 13th, the show that looked bad on paper and unlike other recent shows, didn't have a few off-the-charts matches to save it. Uh, Dave continues down here saying, This was a show that showcased the worst the company has to offer. Many matchups didn't look good and many of the people didn't care, or in many that the people didn't care about. The booking was badly overdone with the repeated run-ins and rough bumps. The crowd, which uh, has helped make TNA shows... um, uh, sorry, I misplaced where I was. The crowd, which has helped make TNA shows the shows to see on pay-per-view in recent months, couldn't save this as they were, weren't were nearly as hot as usual, partially because they were given little, uh, aside from the X Division Challenge. 
to get excited about. Still, it was another full house with 775 fans, and uh, uh, with nearly that many more turned away. And Dave goes on to say, again, he doesn't understand why they don't charge, at least for pay-per-views. But it actually may have something to do with them being at the park. Um, in the, yeah, you would probably have to get clearance for that, wouldn't you? I would have to imagine. An additional fee? It's something at the park that you're, yeah. Um, in the title picture, the problems in the company mindset have been gone over to death and left the show flat once again. The Jeff Jarrett vs. DDP NWA title match was filled with ref bumps and run-ins and ended with Monty Brown turning heel, giving DDP the pounce and allowing Jarrett to retain the title. Previous shows, due to great performances like AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Chris Saban, and AMW, uh, were more than able to overcome the weak ending. This show, filled with finishes that made the crowd groan, couldn't come close. And then the last like a little brief thing before we really get into this, and um, this is a very important note is that another sign of cutbacks at TNA is the newly released schedule shows um, that there will be regularly be triple tapings. So three weeks of tapings on one day in Orlando. And and that starts today. We are literally about to watch the first of three. This is why I believe there's three episodes before our next pay-per-view. So uh, the first taping... Uh, was happening on uh, March 15th. And of course, this airs on March 18th, the day you guys are watching or listening, potentially watching along with us right now, with another triple taping on uh, April 5th and April 26th. Uh, from there, they have double taping scheduled on May 17th, May 31st, and June 14th as things stand. So we have a couple weeks of triple tapings. Um, and then, of course, in between that, on April 24th, is lockdown, uh, which is official. So that's a freaking bummer. And I'm going to apologize now in advance. If there's some accidental crossover, accidental spoil stuff, the way these observers are written, I'm trying. But with three weeks at a time, it's gonna. this is going to be tough. Oh, so boy. I will do that's, my best. That's basically the same taping method that Raw had. Oh, really? Because Icopod... Those oh, yeah. Raws were usually three or four in a sitting. Yes, you're right. I and you would tell that. by the last episode that the crowd was just dead. Because they'd be like, we saw Shawn Michaels four times today. Yeah, I'm really, really nervous about this and really curious how they're going to pull it off. Well, now here's the thing. With the park, you could cycle crowds out. That's a really good point. So maybe but, every taping, there's a different... Like you could be like, okay, if you want all three tapings, and this is what you got to do, but we're going to cycle you guys through. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Although, with sometimes with the TVs, they have a hard time getting people in. So, who knows? That's true. And if you go to Universal, do you want to waste potentially three-plus hours sitting inside of a, the studio? I get why people don't stay necessarily for the whole thing. I get it. Well, if you're not were- a wrestling fan. Now, they were still paying people, though. So, like, let's say Elix Skipper has a match on every show. He still yes. gets paid for three shows. I believe so, yes. Okay. So, I mean, that's not that bad. No, no. I think that's pretty good. For the talent, that's not bad. Right. Um, now, after after lockdown on April 24th, we do have a word here that on, let's see. So after that comes a pay-per-view on May 15th. So we don't have the, the official name of that yet. However, 
on June 19th, Slammiversary will be taking place, which is going to be the company's third anniversary show. So that's a pretty big one. Mm. Um, And his final note before he really gets into these matches, um, the most important thing going forward is when Brown, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels' contracts come due all over the next few months, particularly the former two, who may have had talk openly about leaving. So this is a very interesting point that three of our biggest people contracts are coming up. And uh, what are they going to do about that? Who were who were the two that would be leaving? Openly, well, Styles has talked openly, and I believe Monty Brown has even mentioned the potential. So I think it's mostly those two, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. Styles has multiple times. In fact, we'll be talking during the show, I believe. Let me see. I do have in uh, AJ Styles interview notes that we will discuss, and I think there's another one next week as well. Well, I remember. I think it's even around this time that the only in, in before, like in 03 and 02 or whatever, that uh, Styles only ever got offered like developmental deals. Mm. And he was like, I'm not going to go to HWA or OVW to make 200 bucks a week when I'm doing all these indies and making triple that. Like it makes right. no sense. Right. Totally. It's pretty crazy. Could you imagine him going to like OVW in 2005? No. <laughs> no way. And you know damn well he would just show up on Velocity challenging for the Cruiserweight title against freaking Funaki or whatever. Oh, right. That's the thing that like that just doesn't work. Which is dis- it, it, it's disgusting. Right? If he was on SmackDown in 2005 with like Eddie and, you know, Kurt and all these other guys, I go, mm-hmm. hell yeah. But you know, you know, he'd be on Velocity big. Oh, tonight it's uh, AJ Styles, and he's on Velocity taking on Johnny Stamboli. I think, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that shit. Oh. Thank God it didn't happen. AJ Styles against Chuck Palumbo. <laughs> in event tonight. You can just stop. <laughs> Chuck Palumbo. Um, okay. Uh, we have the two notes about dark matches, which we briefly mentioned before um, we watched Destination X, but we just you know didn't see. Um, Chris Candido and Andy Douglas uh, defeated Lex Levette and Buck Quartermain in seven minutes and 58 seconds when Candido pinned Quartermain after a diving headbutt. Uh, a longer match and a more competitive match than you'd think. Now, remember uh, at Destination X, um, Johnny Fairplay tried to recruit Quartermain and Levette. Oh, don't you worry. We're going to mention that, too. (laughs) Good point, though, because I also forgot about that, even though I literally just read these. I'm telling you, there's so much stuff that happens on these shows. The pay-per-views, especially. You just get whiplash. It's like, what the hell? What's going on? It's crazy. Uh, Kid Cash and Lance Hoyt defeated uh, Cassidy Riley and Jarrell Clark in 8 minutes, 45 seconds. The match had a lot of big moves, but the wrestling itself was weak, particularly when Riley was in. Uh, Lance Hoyt caught Clark in midair when he came off the ropes and choke slammed him. Cash then pinned Clark after the moneymaker. That surprises me because Cassidy Riley, he had a really good, he had a good impact match recently with Saban, yeah. wasn't it? There was, well, Saban is on pay-per-view. That's um, on the pay-per-view. He had a really good one. Oh, no, that's Chase Stevens. Jesus. Oh, no, you're right then. Yeah, it was. Well, but he yeah, also Riley had a good one with, he also had one with Styles as well. That was pretty good, I thought, didn't he? Yeah, so he's, well, and I'm, I mean, I guess we have also considered the people he's working with, but well, I don't. 
that surprises me that Riley's work was considered weak. I don't know. Obviously, we haven't seen that, but so I don't. We can't really yeah. say. But that just surprises me that that right. would be the case. Yeah. Um, Team Canada now consisting of Bobby Roode, Petey Williams, Eric Young, and uh, Alistair Rolfs, or A One as we know him now, uh, with both Scott Demore and Johnny Devine. Uh, in the corner now, Divine's on, he's on crutches because he tore both his MCL and ACL, and will be out of action for probably six months. Wow. So, that ain't looking good. <laughs> so we're not going to see him until September. I mean, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Probably even October. That's just like right. Uh, well, they defeated Chris Harris, James Storm, Conan, and BG James in eight minutes fifty-three seconds. Uh, they did a tease. Now, I did not catch this. But they did a tease for the very much talked about AMW turn as when BG James talked about Three Life Crew being the soon-to-be tag team champions of the world. They got mad. I did not catch on to this, but uh, I feel like I need to watch it. So when he did his, like, talking in the beginning, they must have gave him a look or something like that. Oh, I didn't notice that either. But, I mean, I wouldn't be like, yeah, buddy, you're going to take our titles. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly, <laughs> I don't think I'd exactly. classify that as a tease of a heel turn. I'd, why would you be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think you'll beat us too. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's silly. Um, he makes a note about uh, A1 here being a big bodybuilder type who is a cross between Triple H and Daniel Rodimer. Uh, WWE has scouted him, and he's surprised that they didn't sign him. Uh, he notes that he's very green and wasn't in much. Uh, Bob's favorite part thing happened in this match where Conan took off one of his shoes and threw it at um, Young. That's pretty cool, sweet. Uh, one of Bob's favorite things that Conan does. And a bunch of other stuff happened. And then Conan slammed Demore off the top rope, but in doing so allowed Rude to come in from behind with that northern lariat for the pin. Um, he notes that it was not as good um, as some of the matches these guys have had in the past, but it was a good way to open the show. Two and three quarter stars. Then he notes the fun sketch that Bob uh, was very excited about where they there's a whole show long with a clean-shaven version of Johnny Fairplay trying to get his job back. Think about this one for a second, Dave says. They paid this guy six figures while Jim Mitchell lives down the street and they stopped using him. Uh, uh, Dusty Rhodes told him that if he could sign a tag team by the end of the show, then he could have his job back. So there were four sketches, including him being turned down by America's Most Wanted, who threw hay all over him and had James Storm put a saddle on him and ride him. Um, then he was turned down by Team Canada. But he finally got his job back by getting Levette, where he said, you're my favorite Lex, and Quartermain to agree to use him as their manager. Oh, so they did agree to it. I don't know if I noticed that they agreed. I don't know. But I didn't think that they did. We'll see. We'll see if that actually happens. Yeah, I, okay. We'll see. And well, you know what? And they have been saying that they've wanted to push Levette right for months. Because like, he was and almost going to be part of the new church, right? They were talking about it. Yeah. So, dreams, man. Dreams. This could finally be his his big breakthrough. This could be it. Uh, Chris Saban then yeah, Johnny Fairplay. He's coming back, baby. Chris Saban pinned Chase Stevens in 6 minutes, 18 seconds. Candino and Douglas were at ringside interfering regularly. Um, let's see. I'm not reading their full, these full paragraphs like I normally don't, by the way, because we don't need to talk about the reverse cradle that happened. 
Um, actually, yeah, I guess that's how you got the pin. But after the match, more importantly, there was a three-on-one beating on Saban until a masked man with dress pants and a leather jacket ran in and hit this awesome running uh, Tope Canhilo. Then he unmasked, revealing, yes, that's right, he's here. Shocker. Yeah, who did we think it was? And then he did the tope, and we were like, okay. Well, I don't know who you. I can't remember who I said at one point. I was like, yo, it's Monty Brown because his arms, the way he's moving his arms. I think I jokingly said it was D'Lo. No, it was not. And then he, yeah, he did the he did the tope, and it was like, okay, no, it's not anyone (laughs) that we think it is because it was like, what in the world? Uh, And then I just couldn't get the idea in my head of Monty Brown doing a a a tope con hilo on the ring there. Well, naturally, most of the crowd didn't know who he was. But Candido sold it like he was Mad Dog Vachon coming out of a box. Uh, <laughs> and then Mike Tanay pointed out it was Shocker, one of the biggest superstars in Mexico, who wrestles before 12,000 people on every Friday night. He's the current NWA light heavyweight champion, and that everyone has seen him in the McDonald's commercial. And then Dave says, well, I know I've seen that commercial dozens of times. He gave that match two and a quarter stars. I don't think I ever saw that commercial. I tried to look it up and I couldn't find it. Just for the- I wonder, maybe it was like just Florida based or something. Like, you know, that's strictly the South, maybe. It know. could have been. Well, I was gonna say maybe it's not even. But then D- Dusty saw it. He had it had to have been in the U.S. at some point. No, I'm saying maybe it's in the South though, like Florida. Right, right. Well, I was thinking, what if it wasn't even a U.S. commercial and that's why it's. But oh. if Dusty saw it. He had to have. I mean, it had to have been. Speaking of Dusty, his son, Dustin Rhodes, pinned Raven in six minutes, ten seconds in a bull rope match. Uh, there were some clever bull rope spots where Rhodes would pull the rope and Raven would go into the post. Uh, fans were chanting gold dust at Rhodes, who was not over. Raven went for his drop toe hold on the chair spot, but Rhodes reversed into a bulldog. Uh, and so Raven hit that chair and he got the pin. Post-match saw Team Canada come out and American Most Wanted made the save. One and a quarter stars. That was not good. Yeah, it was it was better than the last one, I think. But yeah, it was a bull match, which I don't generally enjoy. So. Uh, Team Tracy, consisting of Ron and Don Harris, beat Team Trinity, consisting of the Phi Delta Slam, which is Bruno and Big Tilly, in 10 minutes and 18 seconds. It was a huge mistake to book this longer than five minutes because the Phi Delta Slam guys were really exposed and they gassed bad. Uh, due to the stips, Tracy gets to be the lucky one who still sleeps with Dusty. <laughs> uh, ridiculous situation. I know. Oh, uh, I mean, they, they didn't outwardly say that, but that's basically what this. No, is. yeah, Dave. Dave is the one who is making it very clear that that's what's happening. Um, it has to be perversely entertaining watching those two women fight over Dusty, and Dusty booking the skit, so everyone thinks he's doing both. It's so funny. Uh, Ron tried to choke slam on Bruno, who never got off the ground, making it among the worst choke slams you'll ever see. He says, well, if you missed the Eric Watts versus Raven match on pay-per-view. Yeah, but he uh, had a separated shoulder. Right, so we got to give him a break there. Yeah, that's definitely. Um, it just fell apart at the end, yeah, he says. Uh, Trinity did a moonsault off the top to the floor onto Don, who caught her, barely, by the way, and tossed her into the barricades. The finish saw Tilly do the 376-pound splash off the top onto Ron. Um. Dave says he thinks it was Ron. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they were dressed. So anyways, the ref was so distracted, was distracted, so Don switched in, 
Tilly had no idea and tried and was toying with him. Uh, but Don then kicked him in the chest as he tried to charge him in the corner and got the pin. Half a star. That's potentially the lowest star rating match in TNA so far. For pay-per-view? I'm pretty sure it is. Like, I don't think we've gotten one that low yet. Half a star. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go back. Yeah, I have no idea. That sounds, I mean, I've, that is very obviously very low. Yeah. Um, up next, Bob's favorite match. When Monty Brown defeated Triton. Now, this is, you're going to like this one, Bob. Uh, I'm going to laugh if you tell me that that last match was half a star, and this is lower than half a star. No, that's not the part you're exciting about. Uh, it, it, that match went five minutes, 26 seconds. Now, Dave says it's hard to believe that Triton applied for tough enough three and was turned down. Obviously looking at him, I think he's talking about his, how he looks. Uh, well, until the match started, uh, he, he played the power man. Uh, he screwed up a press slam right away and dropped Brown on his shoulder, which was oh, like yeah. pretty scary looking. Brown did a good job of carrying Triton, um, at least considering Brown's ex- level of experience. He says, uh, the match wasn't that terrible, but the finish was. Brown gave the 300-pound guy a fallaway slam and set up the pounce. The lights went out. When they came back on, another masked man was in the ring, and Triton was gone. Uh, he has the power to transport himself. Bob, would you like to take one wild guess? Who was under the mask? Did they compete on the pay-per-view? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're probably not going to guess this. Larry Sabisco. No, but that actually would have been... That's a good Terry idea. Terry Taylor. No. It's even better, Bob. That's right. Underneath the mask, making his TNA debut. <laughs> Dennis Knight, that's right, Midian, was underneath the mask, and he was never unmasked. I would never have guessed that one. Are you <laughs> shitting me? Yeah, wild, isn't it? Phineas Godwin was underneath the... Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, my... God. We saw a debut, and we didn't even know. Well, Brown gave him. Make sure, make sure that's on your notes. For I wrote period. it. I literally copy and paste. I <laughs> wrote it down. I was like, I'm not forgetting this one. Holy shit! Uh, Brown that's gave funny. pounds wow. to him, and he got the pin, uh, which was absolutely absurd that he got the pin on not Triton, but whatever. Um, Brown then saw uh, Triton still on the ramp. Uh, Dusty had planned to make Triton a new version of Nikita Koloff, which is different than what we read before, but uh, but it's a different era, and he was totally unimpressed. And Bob, this match received a dud so yes so yes this match is officially the lowest rated pay-per-view match that we have listed a dud a dud that's amazing yeah midian okay he said nikita koloff well yeah and before he mentioned that he was going to get the goldberg push so i don't i don't see here's what i'm going to tell you either way it's an insult to both those guys there you go that's all you gotta know about that yeah, pretty wild. I have a feeling we'll see Triton a little bit longer. I just cannot picture him lasting that long. I just can't. At least not doing this transport bullshit thing. Like, come on. Um, up next, this is there's some actually pretty interesting stuff in this too. Um, specifically, that's pretty much the first sentence I'm going to say. Uh, but Jeff Hardy pinned Abyss in a Falls Count Anywhere match in 15 minutes 48 seconds. Now it was built as a Falls Count Anywhere in Universal Studios. Now we heard that we mentioned it. Well, apparently the guys got some great ideas out of this stipulation, but then they were shut down and told that they couldn't leave the building area because Universal wouldn't look kindly toward it. So that's why, as we're uh, mentioning it right here, where that big bump um, 
the big bump in the match is Hardy doing the swanton in the catering area um, about six feet down onto Abyss, who is spread out over two tables. That's why that is the only outside area part we got. They weren't allowed to do anywhere else, even though they had some ideas to do so. Do you think they were going to go on the park and like jump off of a ride or something? Yeah, I mean, Dave makes a joke. of He says, I wanted to see them chase each other onto rides and take crazy bumps into water. So, I mean, there's probably, I've never been to Universal, um, so I don't know the setup, but I'm sure there was probably plenty of stuff they could have done that would have been pretty fun. Yeah, I'm also a sucker for wrestling outside of, like, a building. I don't know why. I just think it's fun. I remember, actually, in Florida, FIP, CM Punk and Homicide fought into a strip club. Oh, yeah. See, like, that's good stuff, you know? It's good stuff. Really good stuff. Um, well, Abyss wind up breaking two fingers in this match on his left hand um, on a bad table landing. So Abyss has broken fingers now. Um, he set up for a choke slam, but Hardy hit him with a low blow and then a twist of fate onto the ladder for the pin. After the match, Abyss went under the ring and came out with a bag of thumbtacks that he poured all over the ring. He then gave Hardy a black hole slam onto the tacks, which it looked pretty sick as Hardy had tons of tacks embedded in his back with blood streaming down his back from dozens of small, fresh cuts. Two and three quarter stars. And actually, I do have one other note that technically is a next week note, but I'm just going to tell you now because it relates directly to this. And that is they actually kept cameras rolling backstage as several people, including Sean Waltman, Remove tax from Jeff Hardy's back after his match with Abyss. Uh, apparently, this will be featured on the DVD. I don't know. I can't remember if it is or not, but they filmed the tax coming out of his back as an extra. I, I remember on the Royal Rumble 2000 DVD, there was an extra of uh, Triple H getting the chunk of wood out of his calf. That was fun. Oh. Oh, God. That's nasty. You know, it was gross. It was gross. Ugh. Speaking of more blood, the outlaw, that's right, Nin, Billy Gunn, the New Age outlaw, whatever you want to call him, or apparently on the version that we watched, Kip James. James, Uh, He defeated Kevin Nash in 11 minutes, 20 seconds, in a first blood match. Uh, The match had no heat, Dave says. The the so-called big start, okay, my, hold on, my screen just moved up all of a sudden. So-called, yeah, for real, we're live, pal. Uh, Big Stars only have a short shelf life. He says, just bad. Uh, The outlaw got a toolbox from under the ring and pulled a screwdriver and tried to jab it into Nash's eye. He did a bunch of other stuff during this, including the turnbuckle pad, which he couldn't get off, and then he had to go get pliers and bolt cut the um, zip ties off so he could remove it. Uh, The referee, Rudy Charles, was bumped and stayed down forever. During this period, Nash gave outlaw snake eyes on the exposed metal, uh, he then did it a second time. The Outlaws had came nowhere close, um, and that was the one he decided to blade on. Nash tried to help uh, Rudy Charles back up, and then Jarrett came from the back, hit him with a title shot that missed by two feet, um, and that was the one where he decided to blade as well. Now, Dave notes that he bladed. However, we weren't convinced that Kevin Nash bladed. I guess we'll never know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we did. I don't know. Either, Meltzer but... could have got tricked. I don't think he did. Yeah, because my my thing says the puddle that was left behind means he did not. Because there was like a little puddle that looks like he probably put it on and the rest was just there, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't think he did. Yeah. 
Well, then after all that happened, a guy in a white coat then wiped the blood off Outlaw's face and did it so well that he still had blood streaming down his face anyways. Uh, Rouge Curls got up, saw Nash was bleeding, and then called for the bell, ruling that Outlaw, who was also bleeding, as the winner. Uh, if that wasn't enough um, of a comedy of errors, the post-match brawl was to end with Nash giving Outlaw a powerbomb. And, well, he did it, and then his legs came out, and he lost balance, and they both went down. But Nash, I think, kind of... I think he did fine. He kind of sat up and was just like, hey. Now, that match got rated a dud. Really? Yeah, which, once again, I didn't, like, hate this match watching it. It's not, um, as, it's not on the same level as Mountie and Triton. No, I totally agree with that. So, you can see why this match is not, or the show was not going very well, um, rating-wise. But, up next... We saw Christopher Daniels win the X Division title in that four-way X Division challenge match over the champion AJ Styles, Ilk Skipper, and Ron Killings in 25 minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, he notes that it was a confusing series of matches, but due to Daniels and Styles, uh, they blew away every this match blew everything away on the show. Um, it started as a tag match with Daniels and Killings versus Styles and Skipper. Now it was noted, and this is a really fun note. I'm glad this is brought up. That Dusty Rhodes refused to allow Daniels to team with Skipper because of the stipulation in a match a few months back, and they weren't going to ignore it. Smart. Yeah, good stuff. Um, and then he kind of breaks down the entire... We don't need to break down the entire match because we are more important. We care more about how it ended and all that fun stuff. Um, basically, once it got down to Styles and Daniels and the Ultimate X rules part, and that was after the 17-minute, 10-second mark. That was when Skipper was eliminated. Um, it was mostly one guy or the other climbing up with the hands on the cable, and then the other was knocking them down. Daniels came off the top rope with a flying clothesline that knocked Styles off the cables. Fans were chanting, this is awesome. Referee Andrew Thomas went down. He says, hey, by this time, I figured another masked dude would run out and steal the belt. But, because <laughs> there's lots of masked guys on the show already. Uh, after several tries, the belt would simply wouldn't come down. Styles came down with the belt, but no referee. Daniels delivered the Angels' wings on Styles, grabbed the belt, and Andrew Thomas recovered to rule Daniels the winner and the new champion. Very good, but these two have set a ridiculously high standard in recent shows, and this did not reach it. But he does rate this one three and three-quarter stars. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised they didn't reach the... Uh, they didn't reach the standard. It's kind of tough to come close to what they've done. Right. And finally, and then we will get into the show, and I have plenty of other stuff to talk about during the show. Uh, we see how Jeff Jarrett retained the NWA title in 21 minutes, 40 seconds over Diamond Dallas Page. There were a bunch of guys at ringside, uh, including Tim Daggett, who is the former ring announcer turned high-powered but goofy attorney. Larry Zabisco, which Dave says he has no idea why. Uh, three Life Crew, um, The Naturals, Chris Candido, and Monty Brown, which of course made no sense until the end of the match. Um, they appeared to be Lumberjacks, uh, and this looked like a Lumberjack match. However, McTenney explained that they were not Lumberjacks, and this is not a Lumberjack match, and Dusty said that they were to not have any physical involvement with the wrestlers. But this was just like every other Jarrett match. They brawled all over the building. They ended up using garbage can shots, and Armando Quintero's padded chair was used as a weapon. Uh, Page eventually ended up going for the diamond cutter when the outlaw interfered. Uh, he used the Famouser. On page. Then Sean Waltman came in and went wild. The crowd went nuts for Waltman. Um, he says, I don't know why. Maybe they saw the surreal life 
and realized that he's been living in a basket case for years and had sympathy. Uh, and I do have a note about the, his uh, surreal life appearance because um, it, it did not go well. If you watch, no, because it, it was with China, right? Yeah. Here, let me just since it, yeah, it, it notes. I it remember here. watching that. He like wanted her back or whatever. Well, yes, but I'm not reading this whole thing because it's very long. But I wanted to pull a part out because Waltman posted on his website talking about the recent appearance on Surreal Life, where he said initially he had no intention on being on the show. Uh, he said his relationship with uh, Joni was doing fine. And when she left to do the show, she told him that she'd be gone 13 days or so and would call him regularly. Well, she never called. So after a week, he decided to bring her flowers. The producer saw him and asked if he would be willing to bring them to her on tape. Well, he agreed. And basically, he claimed that from that point forward, the editing machine was in full effect to make him come across like some sort of madman, when in fact, it was just her that was going insane. And he he quotes like she was trying to accuse me in front of the cameras of abusing her. And I had to remind her that that was never happened and that she struck me in the face several times, breaking my nose, destroying my apartment, causing me to be evicted because she found out blah, blah, blah. It's, it's just a whole thing. I mean, it's a huge thing. But anyways, the short version is it's a reality show and they edited it to make him look a certain way. That was not the case. At least according to him. Are we surprised? No, I'm sure that I'm sure that they did do that. I was trying to find a clip of um, just I was when I was doing these, I was like, I need to see this again because I, I do remember watching it. Um, but I could only find a clip of like China kind of like going nuts because she couldn't sleep. And it was just it was kind of not a great clip. But anyway, uh, Waltman ended up giving Jarrett and the outlaw Bronco Busters pages and gave the diamond cutters to Douglas Candido and Stevens. Uh, he says, well, he's a goner for sure now. Uh, he set up one on Jarrett, but Brown hit the ring when Daggett interfered. And instead of going after Daggett, he gave the pounds to DDP and dragged Jarrett on top of him for the pin. Brown and Jarrett hugged after the match. Two and three-quarter stars. And I think I skipped the part where... Um, yes, I did accidentally skip it, but I mentioned already. BG James accidentally uh, KO'd Conan with a guitar shot, which is, I think, probably the most interesting part of that whole match because there's already sort of the story with him and the outlaw... I'm actually really, really curious where it's going to go. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I'm I think coming out of this show, what's most interesting is like what how are you going to utilize Sean Waltman? Because both times he's came in, the crowd has exploded for him. Mm-hmm. So. I'm, I'm curious as to what they could do. Exactly. Like what they could do with them. I wouldn't be surprised if she's just aligned with uh, Nash. Yeah, I mean me either, to be honest. But go for that tag team gold. Oh, that's right. The band is back. The band. I actually like. The, I like that name, by the way. Okay. I like that. The, I like when they were the band. What don't you like? It's it's kind of hard. Um, I don't like Triton that much. Um, but the fact that you had to say that much, just say. I don't like him at all. He sucks. Okay, yeah, I don't like Trigan. There you go. Okay. I liked him better as the red shirt security, and honestly, like that was very okay as well. Yeah, I mean, he was a lot better as a re- the red shirt. Yes, I. Yeah. Um. Well, that was a it was a hefty load here in the beginning of the show. 
Um, talk about Destination X. And like I said, I got plenty more to talk about, Bob. We're going to talk about um, – I got some breaking news about Larry Zabisco that you just will not believe. Uh, and then also an AJ Styles interview, among other things, that we will discuss on today's show. Um, uh, there's some pretty cool stuff. So I'm probably just going to randomly pop these out at you. Uh, there's some stuff that – there is uh, news that there are a couple of people done with the company. You're not going to believe this, but we will talk about that during the episode. Oh, that are done with the company. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. So we will we'll dive deep once uh, – once we get going on the show, I'm sure there'll be a Jared promo that we're like sick of hearing him talk about how he won the title and he's beating everyone and blah, blah. And I can tell you about some fun stuff during that. I can just, I can just hear it now. I outsmarted all y'all <laughs> by having Mata Brown. On my I'm side. not looking forward to it. DDP. You never saw it coming. Kevin Nash. You never saw it coming. It's, it's going to be Jared outlaw. And uh, and Monty Brown, they're all gonna come over the ring and be like, "We were victorious, blah blah blah." We dusted Asia Dax and all this bullshit. It's gonna be great. I can't. Oh wait. god. Um. All right, Dallas. It is that time to finally watch the March eighteenth, two thousand five edition of TNA Impact. The approximate runtime for this is forty four minutes and twenty four seconds. If you want to uh, watch along with us, head over to Impact Plus or find your own personal collection. That should work as well. I'm going to count down from three. And when I say play, that is when we are going to start the show. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. This is TNA. The new face of professional wrestling again. And you know right now. Here we go, baby. This past Sunday. It's basically a DVD screen that we're getting the homepage in. Now you can see BG and Monty Brown ringside. The photos, by the way, are courtesy of TNAWrestling.com. And the king of the mountain. He's got the guitar, dude. He's doing things. Kick on Sean Wallman, baby. He's back. Oh my god, the alpha male. Do you see that? Yep. Gotta love it. The surprise. Dirty shock. They're trying to sell it. And now. From stage 21. I hate this theme. Dude, it's so bad. It just doesn't get you excited. I'm going to say it every time until it changes. I know. We are shocked by Monty Brown's actions. They're so Val. Is that person holding up their child? <laughs> uh, they might have been. Let's waste that pyro budget. Are we about to start with Jarrett, do you think? I feel like we might as well get it out of the way, right? Yeah, I guess you could. 
Oh, by the way, uh, would you like to take a guess at how many people are in the crowd? Uh, 600. Well, you're close, but we actually have 800. We're full, baby. Um, if you just noticed, we just panned over the ring, and they had TNAWrestling.com in the ring with, like, light, like a light graphic. Mm. We're focusing on lockdown. April 24th, baby. You're not going to see one six-sided steel match. We're going to see two. Bob, can you believe that? Two oh. six-sided steel. Oh, are we? <laughs> is that what you think we're gonna we're see? gonna see we're gonna see two of them last sunday after destination x jared is in a small white room with uh, the outlaw the naturals chris candido tim daggett and monty brown and we're celebrating this is jeff jarrett shirt hanging up on a coat rack like clockwork baby it worked out just like we planned Oh, oh, there you go. Monty Brown goes, you owe me one, right? He goes, yeah, See? you got it. See? Here we go. That's, I knew it. I fucking knew it. It's such a played out way to do it, but that's what you do. I don't I hate that it was like video after the match. It's like, look, at this is what happened after the yeah. show. I don't hate that. Jarrell Clark is coming out here. Uh, speaking of Jarrett, by the way. This is kind of a weird one, and I don't think this happens on our TNA show. I think it is strictly for what's happening here. But um, oh, and here comes Christopher Daniels, our new X Division champion. Uh, Savio Vega, Ray Gonzalez, and Shane from IWA Puerto Rico were all scheduled to come in uh, to this taping and shoot an angle with Jarrett. So I believe that has nothing to do with TNA and has everything to do with IWA Puerto Rico. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk more about that next week, I believe. Um. I don't know if you realize this, but we haven't seen Jarrell Clark since like November 19th, 2004. Holy shit. On Impact? In general. Yeah, but Impact. impact well, we technically was, missed him on the pre show. So, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, we haven't seen him. But since. we haven't seen him in wicked long. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there's one indie note for Mr. Christopher Daniels, which oh. took place on March 12th. He lost a four-way number one contendership match for the PWG title when Kevin Steen defeated AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and El Generico at PWG's The Ernest P. Worrell Memorial Show. Oh. Uh, he slapped him right in the beginning of the show. Then they tried to hide around the roughs, and they sucker punched him. Look at that. Hurricane Rana into a pin by Jarrell Clark, but he kicks out. Um, since I don't know if we're going to see him, and I think this is probably the perfect time to talk about it. I got the AJ Styles interview as Daniel sits at STO. Uh, he did an interview on the Extreme Mayhem radio show where he said his ultimate X match at the pay-per-view would be worth the $29.95 price tag alone. So this was an interview before the pay-per-view, for the record. Right. Um, he said that his best matches were with Christopher Daniels and that Daniels was the best wrestler in the business today. He also said that he was really happy to have been able to go back to Ring of Honor because that's where his career really got started. And he also said that he was currently reading the Death of WCW book and was glad that Hulk Hogan wasn't in TNA right now. I don't know if the Death of WCW is the best book to kind of get that opinion from. Well, that's not the last time he mentions it. Uh, we'll do another interview next week where he brings oh, it up again. 
Okay. It's pretty funny. I like that he's like, yeah, I'm reading this book. I mean, this book, Death of WCW, by the guys from Russell Crap, and uh, it's actually pretty informative. <laughs> uh, Daniels, I think, just hit the best moonsault ever. Or no, split leg moonsault. I think it was split leg moonsault. It was a moonsault. Okay. Seeing our uh, at the bottom of the screen, the results from Destination X. The final assault. Wow, that was incredible, wasn't it? Drill card laying a couple right hands and a nice clothesline. And a drop kick. Dude, Daniels, Daniels, pick up the pace here, man. Drill is bringing you to school. Off the ropes comes back. Tilt to world. Tornado DDT by Drill Clark. He's turned that match in his favor. Jarrell going to the... I don't know what he's... Slowly going to the top. But don't worry. Daniels stops him in his tracks. Oh, he might have been going for the 630. That's a good point. Way to go, Tanae. Uh-oh. Oh, Angel's Wings? And down. There it is. One, two, three. Right in the middle of the ring. Give him his title. <laughs> One of Bob's favorite uh, TNA themes. I do like the theme. Oh, he's going over to Mike Detain down west. You guys better watch out. Scatter a microphone. Mr. Daniels has a microphone. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my all-out assault on the X Division that started and against all odds ended triumphantly at Destination X. Fans cheering for him. He faced a four-time X Division champion and he beat him. Faced three former tag team champions, and he beat them. Is he going to do option C? And he faced not one, but two former world champions. And he Jared. beat them. Jared. Jared, I'm cashing in option C. We're going to do an X Division tournament in the Bound for Glory series for the, for the title, and I'm going to fight you. Just for the record, I think the Bound for Glory series is one of the worst things ever. Because right, it starts in, like, June. I fucking, I really fucking hate it. Oh, he's accepting the title Mr. TNA tonight. Oh, oh. Elix Skipper coming out prime time. Wait, wait, I like this a lot. His former partner. Say his name. Mr. TNA. He's going to give him a hand. You've done it. You are the X Division champion. AJ Styles, he don't know you. 
These fans definitely don't know you. But I've heard that speech a thousand times. And I know you. The flip side of that is that you know me. And you know what I'll do to you. He's laughing at the Mr. TNA name again. And that's it. He's like, he's walking away. Bob, I kind of like that. Huh. Well, that makes sense to former tag partners and friends. I, uh, yeah, I can I'm, I'm cool with that happening. Who's this? Oh, Mikey Bats. Another guy who I feel like we've... Well, no, we've seen him more recently than Drew yeah, Elba. We... Still. Yeah, didn't he recently get, like, press slammed to the floor? Yes, he did, and nearly died. And it looks like he is facing off against Kid Cash. Who, of course, has Lance Hoyt in his corner. His cousin. From the trailer park. His cousin, uh, Dallas, now known as Lance Hoyt. They did not explain that at all. It just happened one day. Yeah. Well, Bob, during this end, I just got to give you... Go ahead, Bob. Don West was just saying, when have we ever had a six sides of steel cage match or something along those lines? And it's like, Don, we just no, had one. Is he saying two in the same night? Is that what he's talking about? Oh, maybe. Now, we but, did have... A, there was one time we did have two cage matches in one night, but they were not six sides of steel. Right. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so uh, this is a very random match, but I'm sure Mikey Bats is going to take a real nice moneymaker here in a few minutes. I think Mikey's going to win. Okay. Uh, Bob, huge breaking news. I just can't hold this in any longer. Um, Larry Zabisco, um, who has wanted to be a pro golfer probably since he learned what golf was, was featured on Golf Central, a TV show on the Golf Channel, okay. this patch Mar- <laughs> March 8th. Yes, there are so many. This is by Alvarez, by the way. So many hundreds of channels available right now to those with cable and dishes that one devoted exclusively to golf exists. Probably come... Uh, anyway, see, just... Anyway. So, quote, the Golf Channel recently followed the former heavyweight champion on the links as he competed on the NGA Hooters Pro Golf Senior Tour. <laughs> the, sh- the show <laughs> features Abisco's golf game his on-course humor, as well as discussing involvement with TNA wrestling. An avid golfer, Zabisco plays in many senior tour tournament and pro-am events. Um, and alongside this, by the way, uh, also Jeff Hammond was a special guest on NASCAR Nation this past Tuesday talking about TNA and showed footage of him training for his match at the last pay-per-view. Okay, so that's funny that Zabisco uh, <clears throat> actually was like on the senior tour. I was going to say that jokingly, and then actually it's exactly what he did. Oh, Bats clotheslines kid catch to the floor. I just thought it was funny that he writes it as breaking news. <laughs> Larry Zabisco is going to be on the Golf Channel. Oh, oh, good save by Hoyt. And boom, Bats right against the post. Don't you worry. Still, big news coming tonight. Who is gone from? Who's done with the company? Is it more than one name? Is it just one name? As Bats gets chucked back into the ring, you'll find out soon. Springboard, huge clothesline by Cash. Nice. Um, 
Oh, two count there for cash. Uh, Dales, have you uh, you've seen Ready to Rumble, right? Oh yeah. Did you see on Twitter that gentleman that made a shirt for uh, Ready to Rumble? Oh, I did actually. Yeah, I did see it. I I snatched that shit up as soon as it dropped. Did you really? Yeah. Another clothesline by Cash from the second rope there. Those was a cover. That's kick out of two. Uh, it was pretty cool. I am trying to. It's been very very difficult every time in our our group chat we send each other really awesome merch i'm trying very hard to not because i just have so many dude but it's so fucking hard i want that wcw sign so fucking bad bob is it even out still i don't know i hope it's not because i keep having the itch and i keep like i was kept looking at it oh bats with a roll through going for the cover nope i don't think it is good i hope it's not I'm afraid he's going to put it up when he has, like, extra, and then I'm going to end up buying it. I just got this feeling. Uh, Hoyt is up on the apron, causing a distraction here. Bats is pissed. Tries to hit him off, but Hoyt stepped down. Oh, cheap shot by Hoyt. Cash is on the apron. And, oh. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it on the side anymore. Okay, good. Good. Because I was I was extremely close to buying that. He hit that um, coast-to-coast somersault dropkick, and here it comes. Boom! Moneymaker absolutely fucking kills people with that move. And that's a three. Nearly it's four minutes. The, it's also the J-Driller, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is. The same thing. Same move. Uh-oh. Conan is just chilling. I don't like Conan. Gigi's gonna walk up to the hey brother. Yo, what's popping? Oh, he shook on Kelly's hand, but then BG said he goes nah. What were you and the outlaw talking about? Putting that punk inside your head. I like how BG's reaction was that he forgot that he hit Conan over the head with a guitar. He's like, ah, oh, <laughs> shit, that did happen to him. Oh, my bad. Yo, I got your back like a car seat, but... <laughs> He's trying to drive a wedge between us, and you're letting him. No, no, Conan, you are. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Conan's reaction to this is is allowing the, the wedge to be driven. Oh, I'm tired of this. Why do we cut away to the fucking camera showing that on the screen? The oh, because oh, so, we're going right into someone's entrance. Looks like the Chris Candido and the Naturals. And they all are in gear, so. Yeah, this is a six-man tag now. So, they got a... Dustin Rhodes. Oh, I, almost I, hate, I hate that gear. You wait. Oh my god! I know what this looks like. It looks like when he was seven. That's what he looks like with the hat on and the big shiny coat. No, his he also had like white plaster on his face. Well, his... Bob, I know that. Have you ever, have you ever just looked through a window? <laughs> I know that, but the hat and like the big leathery coat. It's me. Seven. Seven. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> That's one of the worst things like of all time, I think. It's really bad because he it was like a child predator. 
is like this fucking story. I like I like that he did the the shoot promo where he's like, "What's this shit?" Yeah, but Vince just was making me do this shit, and he's just like in this awful white face. Flying, paint. I'm flying to the fucking ring on a cord. Was just bullshit. <laughs> that's I'm the talking only to a six year old kid through his window. Like, yeah, that's not good. By the way, it's America's Most Wanted, the tag team champions teaming up with Dustin Rhodes. Right. Against the Naturals and Chris Candido. We should try to interview Dustin Rhodes. How quickly do you think he'd hang up on us if I started talking to him like I was seven? Look here. <laughs> Hello, Dustin. Um, I like Dustin, um, and I, I met him. He was very kind and uh, very friendly. However, this is not the show to interview him on. Because I feel no. like he does not like no. 90% of his TNA career. Yeah, right. He has not blocked me yet, though. I will say I have tagged him um, because he's not Black Rain yet. I know better. Oh, right. Um, but he's not blocked us. He, in fact, he's even liked some posts. Yeah, the Black Rain stuff, we might have to. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think I'm going to tag him. Yeah, I don't think I will. I don't want to get blocked. He does not. Okay, so we finally, we had a brawl, but now Chris Candido and Dustin are in the ring alone. Bob, do you have any indie notes for this or the last match before I say anything? You say no? No, I don't. Okay. Well, there's some interesting news here. Um, There was an announcement that Spike TV had pulled out of its negotiations to renew its contract for Raw and the WWE's other cable properties. Uh leaves the basically this leaves usa network as the probable home for wwe on cable after the contract expires in september now why do we care about this well there is a note here that says that we can confirm the observer not me can confirm that there have been no talks between spike and tna Uh, we are also certain that jeff jarrett will attempt to make a proposal to get on the odds are very slim that this would happen as spike is said to not be thinking in that direction So this is our first mention of anything related to TNA and Spike. Because they had been on Spike since 2000. Oh, wow. All of 2000. So it was about five. It would be about five years. Yeah. That makes sense, the contract there. Have they, Douglas. And do they, they do go to USA after this, right? Oh, yeah. So we've been on USA for almost 10 years. What do you mean? Like to Raw? What are you talking about? 10 years? Sorry, 20 years? Like consistently, yeah. That's, there, that's it, crazy. It's only been, it's only five years that they were not on USA. Because 93 to 2000. Oh, well, yeah, I guess I meant consistently. No, you're right. Yeah. I meant consistently. Yeah. That's pretty long. Unlike yeah. TNA, who's been on like 27 channels. Oh, oh. my God, dude. It was ridiculous. It was like every six months. Like, oh, we're on pop. Just, oh. just kidding. Destination America. Just kidding. We're on YouTube. Just kidding. Now we're on Axis TV. Just kidding. We're on Twitch. By the way, we're on Mondays. No, no they're Tuesdays. also on now, Axis. Now still. Thursday. Now Friday. No, now we're on Saturday morning. That's sentence. Oh, come on. Damn it. That was three. Oh, we saw a pretty nice finish there where a Bulldog was hit, I think, on Douglas. Then. James Storm super kicked Chase Stevens, and then they just death sentence on Douglas to get the pin. Dustin was not in the ring during that. 
That explains why the Naturals picked up a win recently, just so that they could lose to AMW. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was I was talking to my friend, and he's like, "What channel? What channels Impact on?" I was like, "It's on Access. You probably don't have it." And he looked, and he goes, "Oh, I do." And I was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> Twitch. They don't still do the Twitch, though, do they? They don't. I don't know. I never watch it live. I can't. Uh, Mike Tanay's in the ring here. I can see where this is leading. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. And to be a World Heavyweight Champion coming out here. Okay. It's my world. My world. Here he comes with his insurance policy, the outlaw. Oh, he's not wearing his nin shirt anymore. We must know who he is now. Why is he's like dressed up as if uh, he's like in a like a motorcycle group? Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wouldn't Monty Brown be the insurance policy? Like a more believable one. Yeah. Probably. Um, a funny, a funny note, quick, um, because I don't know where else it fits either. There's an indie show on March 12th that took place in uh, North Carolina. You may mention this at some point. I don't know, but there was a match where Dusty Rhodes defeated Abdullah the Butcher with Mick Foley as the referee. I don't know. The show? I, don't I don't know. I don't have that, unfortunately. Um. But there's also Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton going over the Rock and Roll Express in a first blood street fight. Anyway, it's a pretty interesting show. Um, but after the main event, uh, where Foley and Rhodes are going back and forth in the ring, Dusty Rhodes, apparently unbeknownst to Foley, asked the fans if they want to see Mick Foley versus TNA, or sorry, Mick Foley versus Abyss on a TNA pay-per-view. Oh, my God. Uh, Foley said that he's a WWE guy, and the fans booed that. And Rhodes made the comment, see you tomorrow in Orlando. So this was right before the pay-per-view. And uh, he joked that by the time that he had gotten to the dressing room, Foley coming to TNA the next day would be headlining every dirt sheet. Dave does say a lot of websites did end up mentioning it, but none of the major ones did. Uh, And Rhodes is apparently bragging about this the next day, about how he got people thinking Foley would be a surprise at the show. Uh, well, whatever show it is, it's not on Cage Match. So. Oh. They apparently got 2,200 people jammed into the building, which normally it says they have. He said, I don't think they've been below 900 for these events. So it seems uh-huh. like it drew pretty good. So Jared's saying he played him like a fiddle. Only people that knew is King of the Mountain and the Alpha Male. So Kevin Ash. Didn't I say that play like a fiddle? Yeah, I think you did. I fucking knew it. Or some form of that. Oh, I'm smarter than you. Like, come on. DDP. And you six pack Sean Waltman. Six pack. Six pack. Six pack. Monty Brown made the right decision.
Hunter Brown wanted to stand besides a winner. Mm-hmm. Here we go. The fans started to chant, drop the title. And if you notice, they kept going and the, the, it got a little quieter. <laughs> Keep that in mind for next week. We'll talk about that. Oh, great. Now here comes Monty Brown. Um, I do have a note about DDP since I don't... Actually, I'm going to hold on now. Because we are going to see DDP action. What? Look, okay, look at what Monty Brown's wearing. Is that not what Shocker was wearing when he did that interview? I could see I could see how you would think that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I like I don't want to seem like I was an idiot, but like literally this is a normal Monty Brown attire. And like I thought that was the same thing. And then all of a sudden he did the fucking tope and it was like, okay, no, it's not. Well what if what if Monty Brown pulls out a, a tope? I'd fucking love it. Then I think there's legitimate like questions here. Dude, it's the same gear. I mean, it's the same thing. Look at the shake. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, I think I found the show. It is So that show that you were talking about with Abdullah and Dusty is on the High Spots Wrestling Network. Oh, shit. <laughs> Who doesn't want to see Dusty Rhodes fight Abdullah the Butcher in 2005, dude? I, I might need to review this show. I actually really kind of want you to know. He wants to shake the hand of the man who shook the world. Look, they did it again, and they laugh. We shook the world. Look at today. Damn it. He's so disappointed. By the way, if you guys are following along with us, we're at 28 minutes, 7 seconds into the show here. You're not politically correct. I'm crying. He's making fun of the fans. Oh, no. With Jeff, with the outlaw. If I will, I'll do what I want. And if all of you people here don't like it, I got two words Ooh, for you. Damn bad. Oh. If you don't like it, don't talk about it. Be about it. We are about it. Is that their new team name? About it? About it. <laughs> We're looking at the three individuals who are taking it to another level. We are about it. About we will about the world. the world. Now feel that. Okay, so after Jarrett talked a little bit they really did let monty brown kind of carry the rest of that which is probably smart but um i do like that the outlaw kind of is just there yeah wait a second we're in dusty's office but trinity is still there with him and tracy two cage matches you make sure you know it's not two cage matches put together two separate ones
my personal secretary is going to go to work with me on that. Which would be Tracy. Right. <laughs> Trinity saying technically there's a discrepancy in the stipulation. <laughs> Tracy, you brought it home. You did it. God, he signed both teams. Just like I said, it's Tracy. Oh my God, dude. He's going to, she's going to share her duties with his other personal secretary, Trinity. So it literally is meaningless. It meant absolutely. We went through that torture for nothing. nothing. Jesus wow. Christ, Bob. Are we serious? Don't you love it? Don't you? Look at David Young. This guy shredded out. In, in trunks. Yeah, what the hell, David Young? Who's his opponent? Oh, shit, Bob. A shocker. Could it be? It's Shocker making his in-ring. Okay, we, he's going so fast. We can't even catch my camera. Okay, so apparently this dude's, like, phenomenal. So let's see how he does against David Young here. And now, I don't have... <clears throat> Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, David Young, he did get a win finally, but it seems like that streak might be over again. Yeah, that might be coming again. Uh, I don't have any indie notes on Shocker, but he's obviously from uh, Mexico, and he works primarily for CMLL. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess most re- one of the more recent matches, he lost to Hector Garza. Remember him? Uh, yeah. Back on March 6th in a best two out of three falls match. Oh, wow. So Hector Garza is uh, he's he's actively wrestling still in Mexico. Obviously, I'm glad to hear that. Now, I just for future future us, um, I did I was kind of looking some stuff about Shocker, and I believe he got caught in some controversies later on. I can't remember exactly what it was though. Oh, we're going to talk about him in his McDonald's commercial. Controversy. Yeah. Um. Hold on. I'll look it up again. Shoulder block by David Young. I don't. I guess when you have uh, more muscle mass, you're able to turn people inside out with a shoulder. I can't remember if it's like steroid stuff or dropkick to a kneeling David Young springboard dropkick. I take it Shocker likes to perform dropkicks. Well, then there's the holy shit. I'm not gonna be able to find this easily again now. I don't know. When I looked up his name, I was like, oh, was it? I mean, it wasn't anything like really bad, I don't think. But. But, dude, crowd's going nuts for Shocker and David Young comes in with a clothesline. Hurricane Rana, that was nice. Big boot by Shocker. Oh, yeah, here we go. He was arrested after something. After yeah. what? Assaulting an alleged prostitute in a hotel and destroying hotel property in uh, in Mexico. This is in 2017, so. Oh, okay. So that's no, the, that's why I said future us. Oh, okay. Oh, that's the shockwave. His finishing move is an inside cradle called the shockwave? Well, it was the way he did it, um, Really? Crowd's going absolutely nuts for him. Yeah, but aren't they telling him to go nuts? We'll talk about it next week. 
Oh, you dude! I got so many good freaking notes for next week, Fuck, dude. What do they? Was it like make noise and you can go backstage or something? I'm not saying until next week. You got to tune in next week's okay. show to find out. Whoever's the loudest for shocker, you get to meet Jeff Hardy. <laughs> Here comes Buck Quarterman and Lex Levette, dude. Why does Lex Levette look like he does not want to team up with Buck? He's about four miles behind him. Because why would you want to? Uh, here comes DDP. By the way, um, there's no Johnny Fairplay with them. So I don't right. Uh, DDP had an interview in the uh, Winnipeg Sun uh, where he talked about his future. And he says, the high-impact stuff dropped me on my head. That stuff ain't happening anymore. I'd get to the arena and see guys like Cactus Jack and Terry Funk, and they could barely walk. I'm having so much fun working with these guys. Uh, he's talking about TNA, of course. I probably have three or four more pay-per-views in me. I want to see how long I can do it, but I probably don't have many more big singles matches in me. I'm trying to think of when DDP was dropped on his head. <laughs> so DDP is teaming up with. I don't recognize this music. Oh shit! It's fucking six spot. Sh- it's Sh- Wallman. <laughs> oh shit! With Kevin Nash in his corner. Wait, this is I. This is his first Impact match. Yeah. And it, did you notice that? It said Sean Waltman. It didn't say Six Pac. Yeah, did, Which yeah. we talked about recently. Um, Dave even said, why don't they just call him Sean Waltman? More people know him as that. Right. Because Kevin Nash is coming on commentary. I got to turn my volume up right now. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Bob, I do have a couple. I have one more note, and then I got to give you uh, another one because we're running low on time here. There's been a lot of resentment with Pi Delta Slam because uh, the two guys for the past eight or nine months have been driving Dusty Rhodes all over when he's been in town. Um, it isn't so much that they did so looking for jobs, although they clearly they wanted in uh, because when they started, Rhodes had no power and it didn't look like he would ever get any, uh, even though he had always been pushing for it. Now, every wrestler, a wrestling fan of their age group, has grow, grew up in Florida. Rhodes was their hero. Then Rhodes got booking power. Uh, and their work paid off, but others are resentful that they got a spot because of it, and more are keeping the spot after looking so bad. I mean, Dead Rhodes did just note that they signed both teams. Right. Uh, Waltman and Lavette started off there, and it looked like they cut away from a potential botch from Pac, and then he also just seemingly stiff-kicked Lavette in the face. Hold on is, to that, too. Is that a fucking Dude, I'm telling you. Dude, next week, I got so much about this show. (laughs) Damn it. I I figured something was that he fucking just, he drilled him in the face. Yeah, it was a weird cut. And I saw it out of my peripheral because I was reading, but I did notice it was a very odd. uh, They don't normally do the audience reaction shots here in TNA. Not like that. He tags tags, uh, Waltman in. He's in with a quarter main. Couple punches, club to the back. Oh, Nash mentioning Peter Brady. The uh, I'm assuming referencing the appearance on surreal life there. He's talking about Debrat as well. So yeah, DDP gets tagged in once again. Um, and Bob, let me give you my final note here, and we can enjoy the rest of this match. Um, and that is, it's pretty unfortunate here, but it's that Sanjay Dutt is apparently through with the company. 
Oh, damn. Uh, the feeling seems to be that Dusty Rhodes is largely uh, disdainful of most of the X Division guys. People are fooling themselves into thinking the increased pay-per-view uh, buys on pay-per-view is because of Jeff Jarrett getting over his champion. Rhodes is high on Styles and Christopher Daniels as individuals. Um, however, in a related note, Alex Shelley, who is they have stopped using, has apparently gotten his release now. Who? Alex Shelley. Oh, he did get released. Yeah, so he asked for it, and now he has officially gotten it. Woman coming in with Lex Levette again. That sucks. That nice, ch- nice stiff chops and some kicks. Lex Levette giving a couple back too. Are you swooping to the corner? Oh. <laughs> and another weird crowd cut, but that one made more sense, I guess. Uh, he did a beautiful spinning heel kick. Or a roundhouse, really. It was, yeah. was freaking awesome. Another one. He's about to hit that Bronco Buster, it looks like. Waltman's kicks are, like, phenomenal. They're so freaking good. Oh, my God, he missed the Bronco Buster. Which, as we know, would eventually tear his asshole. Pretty bad. Pretty fucking bad. And he, like, could have died. Quarter made with a two count after a double team. Someone just yelled, you made China cry. I heard it. Well, he did, I guess, right? Yeah, I guess he did. <clears throat> Quartermain kind of dropped Walton on his neck with a back suplex, and he kind of missed the leg drop, but we'll ignore that. No, they still mentioned Johnny Fairplay. Six Sides of Steel, April 24th. Well, that distracting Andrew Thomas, because of course, so DDP doesn't get the tag. <clears throat> and now Walman getting beaten down by Levette. <clears throat> Levette probably trying to get revenge for that stiff kick to the face. Kick out of two, man. That's a kick out of two. Oh, oh, a slingshot leg drop over the bottom rope by Levette. Nash called that a stupid move because you have to cover the guy inside the ring. <laughs> <laughs> There's no draws here in Impact. We have two minutes, 18 seconds left in the match. Wait a minute. What did he just say? There's judges in the building. No draws. It's technically a draw if you have to go to a judge's decision. But whatever. Here comes DDP. And we, and we did have a draw in that 10-minute survival thing where Daniels lasted 10 minutes, and it was Ooh. a draw, and he won. So. A little different, but I'll take your word. Oh, was, huge big boot. It was a draw. It was technically a draw. Nobody won. He yeah, just lasted 10 minutes. Was was, that was part of the whole thing. It was a draw. Bronco Irish Whip, Buster Bronco Buster. Yeah. Or was that Quartermain? That was Quartermain. He did it at Quartermain. Now here's the Levette. Nash is loving this. Look at him laughing. You know what? Oh, there's a diamond card. According, 
I feel like uh, Waltman and Rikishi should have been a tag team. Yeah. Bronco Buster and his stink face. You just got banged, is what Kevin Nash said. And there was is. one minute and 13 seconds left in the match. Was that a 10 minute time limit? It must have been. There's no way that we just watched that for nine minutes. I think we might have. What? That was the quickest nine minutes of my life. Kevin Nash coming in the ring. Oh my God, it went eight minutes. 8.47. There you go. Wow, okay. <laughs> I guess I enjoyed that. <laughs> Kevin Nash is calling out Dusty. Oh no. DOA, you back there? I gotta talk to you, boss. And yes, here it comes. With probably his two assistants. Where is Wait, he? Does he need that much fucking smoke? I know what. What's <laughs> this up, comes Kevin? Out and says, "What's up?" What's up, Kevin? What do you need? Next pay per view, you got two cage matches. I heard. Is that correct? Right. April the twenty fourth, and lockdown. Not one, not one cage match, but two. Cage matches. Right. He's going to let the people decide who we put in the cage matches. He's going to give you an option. DDP. Waltman and Nash. They want the outlaw. Monty Brown. And Jeff Jarrett. And the six man in the cage. He's going to let us know next week. Kevin Ash is like, what? What? Next week? Well, lucky for you, Kevin Ash, this is only one taping of three. So you'll find out in the same day. Don't you worry. All right, Dallas, what do we think of Impact? That was a fine episode of impact. I yeah. thought it was fine as well. I mean, that literally that main event went almost nine minutes, and it that flew by for an extended squash match. Yeah, for real. And I think part of that, at least for me, I think kind of has to go for the fact that we haven't seen Waltman wrestle in so so long that's, that it it kind of made me interested in it more. That's I think that's absolutely what it is. Um, yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. I mean, we didn't, now this is an interesting point. So Kevin Nash, of course, asks about a match for lockdown. The show after Against All Odds, we knew almost the entire Destination X card already. Right. So maybe they're trying to play it a little differently. We have a little bit longer. I think that's important yeah. to note. We have six impacts, not four. So maybe we're going to have that slower build and maybe they're going to work up to that. Now, I find it absolutely fascinating that we are, <laughs> we got two cage matches. <laughs> okay. You guys said it. Uh, so I think that is uh, very fun. Just two, brother. Just two. Uh, so I'm very excited to see how this develops. What two cage matches are we going to see, Bob? I don't know. Anything is possible here at Impact. Well, I feel like they would have to... 
you know, you have to announce the whole card, I guess, if, if it's going to be like a vote. Okay, well, that's the thing I don't get is like, we're going to let the fans pick. And then he goes, okay, I'll let you know next week. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Yeah, so that part's a little weird to me, but. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. I do have some very fun notes about this show that we will be discussing on next week's episode. And I'm very excited to talk about them. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to some of the tidbits that you. And I, I teased a lot of it, and like, like I said, it just kept coming. It was like there's so much fun stuff, so I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to talking about that stuff. As always, uh, impacts. I mean, these things fly by generally. Um, they're a lot of fun, and we're getting closer to potentially one of my favorite, at least nostalgic, um, TNA pay per views. The last of my trio uh, DVD pack, Bob, that really got me started on TNA. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I mean, after this, it's just going to be a lot of fun after anyways. But like, I think this is the last like really big thing that I was like, couldn't wait to get to. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, We are five episodes away from lockdown where there's not one, but two, (laughs) but two. Just two guys. There's just two Steel's K matches. They would never do just more than two. There's no, no. Um, all right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Next week we'll be back with the March 25th edition of TNA Impact. So until then, for Dallas Gridley, I am Bob Cunningham Jr. And this has been the TNA Cross the Line Podcast.